it's rooted in behavior analysis. And that's why I love it is there's four steps, the cue, craving, response, reward. So that is a habit loop. And those are, that's essentially how a habit is formed. If you've ever wondered about your habits, why you form them, why you have them, and how to change them, today's episode is going to be a great one for you. We're speaking with Sonia McCrimmon, and you can visit her at soniajmac.coaching on Instagram. That's the best place to find her. But we're talking about our habits today and how they can change your life, both in a negative and a positive way. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. My name is David Chudik, and I am a financial advisor with Parallel Financial. And what that means is I help my clients to make the right financial choices for the reasons that are important to them. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to work with a financial advisor, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And we can either sit down in person, we can sit down over Zoom, or we can sit down um, via telephone and talk about some of the things that are important to you and see if there are any next steps. But today I'm very excited because we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about how habits relate to our financial well-being and maybe even how they relate to our relation well-being and our health well-being. But we are talking with Sonia McCrimmon today about habits. So hey, Sonia, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Now, what part of the world are you in? <laughs> I'm in Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Canada. Uh, so COVID is always kind of a, a topic that comes up. Uh, how has Canada been as far as lockdowns and, and, and containing the virus? And uh, as I know, the United States has been kind of really different in different parts of the country. Yeah, I mean, overall, I feel like it's been good, but we have done a lot of lockdowns. So Toronto, especially, like we did not fully officially open uh, places until early June. So like literally since November, we were wow. really in a lockdown. So they were very strict um, in Toronto specifically, but uh, across Canada, I would say they had a lot of different stages of lockdown. So that was something that we did for this whole year, basically. So um, we we're able to start to have a bit of a summer. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, I am in a small smallish town in South Carolina. And literally I can, without much trying at all, I could never be within six feet of anybody. But then if you went to New York city or anywhere else, I mean, it's impossible to not be within six feet of anybody. So uh, just, just physical proximity during the virus is just so, so crazy how different it's been um, in different, different parts of the country. So, yeah. so tell me, how did you get into the habit business? It sounds like something that um, I think habits are really important to think about, but um, I don't think anybody ever wakes up when they're five <laughs> years old and said, you know what, when I grow up, I want to teach people about habits. Yeah. Um, my journey is pretty unique. I mean, um, 
So in university, I took psychology and then um, I actually took a course in learning disabilities. And so I actually am in the field of disability studies. And so I did my master's in that and it, uh, my master's specializes in behavior analysis. And so that really is all about the science of human behavior and behavior change. And so um, I have a second business actually outside of life coaching that is um, doing behavior consulting for individuals with autism. So that is actually my main background um, that I worked at an agency for over five years and I am a board certified behavior analyst. So that's kind of all of my uh, education and um, uh, credentials and all of that that I've really done. And my master's is in behavior analysis. So all of that and then kind of supervising staff and whatnot that kind of and I actually got my own life coach last year that started to really bring me into this world of I really enjoyed supporting others and really working through kind of the mindset struggles that they're going through and as well as parents too. And so that kind of brought me into this world of, you know, I really love coaching. And so as of December, 2020, I ended up leaving that agency and becoming a full-time entrepreneur in coaching. Um, and it's been a wild, uh, amazing year, but then I also um, started my second business, still continuing the behavior consulting um, with individuals with autism. So I've got two things going on, but the whole foundation in habit change in habits is learning about the formation of it through behavior change and the science of behavior and really what that means. And so my master's and all of that has really that foundation there. And it, it really tied into coaching and how to really work people through it and understand that. And I didn't really know how to call myself really as when I started as a coach and then kind of working through this habit change just really felt like it resonated with so many people and, and just talking about habits in general and everyone knows about habits, but when you kind of talk about behavior change, you're kind of like, what is that? Um, but habit change, you can kind of get on board with and really want to break that down and understand really how to build habits or break habits. And so that truly is just from the science of behavior analysis. So that's my background. And then I kind of sneakily got into coaching and my two worlds collided in the best way. So, yeah. Well, that, that's exciting. I've always felt like we are all both our biggest asset and our biggest liabilities. Mm. And I think what I mean there is, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we sabotage ourselves. Maybe we just grab a handful of Doritos and it's just a habit. We're not hungry. Nobody really needs Doritos, but if you do that yeah. several times a day and you do that over months, you know, there's a pound, another pound, another pound. And then, and then over years, it could be 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds, health issues. And it's all because of a habit of reaching for food. So let's start kind of, let's start at just the basics of basics. What is a habit? And I know that sounds like a simple question, but it's probably uh, a deeper answer than, than, than we might think. <laughs> well, what is a habit? And then the like how habits are formed, I'll get into. So essentially what a habit is, is when you engage in a beha behavior repeatedly over time. So if I, you know, if I start working out today, but I don't really do it every day, or I just decide to pick it today and then I don't do it for months, that's not a habit. A habit is when you choose unconsciously or consciously to engage in something repeatedly over time. And 
when it becomes a habit is when it is automatic. You don't even need to think about it anymore. That is when a habit is really solidified. So I'll give a very simple example, brushing your teeth. There are actually like 12 steps in brushing your teeth. You have to see the toothbrush and toothpaste. That's really the cue. And then you have to open the toothpaste, like uh, put it on your toothbrush, like put the water on it, like brush each area, like spit, like, you know, there's so many steps and we don't realize, but the fact that we have done that every single day, we don't even need to consciously think about every single step of brushing our teeth. If we had to, that's a, a massive cognitive load. Like imagine having to remember every single step of everything that you do every day. Like that's you a could very, never do it. Yeah. right. It's a huge cognitive load. And so co- our cognition, our brains are meant to, once we do something over time repeatedly, our brain tracks that and then puts that kind of in that automatic area to be like, oh, I already know this. It's now automatic. And that's where autopilot comes in. But that's where you have to be very careful because if there's necessarily bad habits and you don't really realize that they're now automatic, you have to consciously bring awareness to it. So as you mentioned, like if I'm just grabbing something to eat it and I'm not really consciously aware that I'm doing that, you have to really stop and notice and be like, oh, and, and get yourself out of autopilot. So brushing our teeth and doing the dishes and, and, you know, paying bills, like all of those things are very automatic or something that we have learned over time to just naturally start to understand and know so that our brains don't have to have that like cognitive load and cognitive effort on a day to day. So it's really a habit is something repeated multiple times over a large period of time. So, I mean, why does a habit form? Why does someone, I mean, I guess we were all told to brush our teeth by our parents. So we, we did it, but there's probably some other things we were told by our parents to do that never turned into habits. And then there are probably some other things that we just do, even though we, nobody told us to do it or to not do it. Right. So biggest number one component, what is reinforced? That's really essentially what creates or keeps a habit repeating. So you wash the dishes because you want a clean kitchen. You brush your teeth so that you have clean teeth and feel good. So those are kind of the reinforcements for that. But does the same thing hold true? Like maybe on a negative habit, like you might drink too much because of the feeling that you get or even use other substances. It it's a short-term positive win in, in the sense that it feels good, even though the negative consequences is, is that a habit as well? Yeah. So there's like things that you can negative reinforce. So as you, yeah, as you just mentioned, it's really about instant gratification. You can get into that trap of wanting to relieve pain or indulge in pleasure. <clears throat> and so those are two components. If we are really seeking that like immediate gain, and we're not really thinking about the long-term effects of that immediate situation, we're negative reinforcing that situation. So, you know, if I'm, if I don't want to do work and I want to avoid it and I want to procrastinate, and then I end up going to watch TV instead, I just reinforce procrastination. And then is that because that, watching TV is more fun than, than that work? And it just, you want to, yeah, you want to indulge in the instant pleasure or like or actually avoid 
the the feelings of that work so that one kind of goes two and two of like you want to avoid dealing with whatever that task was and then you go to indulge anyway and sometimes so a big component of habits is yes these are all like behaviors but where habits really form and where they start is your identity and belief systems so this is kind of like a very bigger kind of topic but if I say I am a procrastinator or better yet if I say I am bad with my money Mm-hmm. you're going to be bad with your money. No question. So it's really what you tell yourself, the identity that you latch onto that reinforces these bad habits. And then those habits, when you engage in them, reinforces that identity. So if I just say like about procrastinating, if I say like, oh, I'm a procrastinator. And then sure enough, this task comes up and I avoid it. And then, you know, the next day I say to myself, oh yeah, see, I avoided that. So like, clearly I'm a procrastinator. It, they, it's a cycle. And so where you have to stop that cycle is noticing the thoughts that you say to yourself. If you say I'm a procrastinator or I'm bad with money, you're going to engage in the habits that reinforce that identity. So you have okay, to but be very- Nobody careful. wants to be poor. Nobody wants to struggle financially. So why would we kind of build ourselves up and talk ourselves into the fact that I'm quote bad with money? It seems, I mean, it's definitely a self-sabotaging behavior. So this is where our belief systems comes in play is it's not about you. It's about your conditioning and how you grew up. So when you think about your habits, they are all formed, like habits are learned behaviors, which means you can unlearn them and you could create new ones. And so the whole basis of that is starting from the very first stepping stones, which is growing up, really looking at your, the patterns of, you know, surrounding money when you're growing up. Sure. Maybe you had like a great household. Everything was fine, but your parents were very frugal with money. You're going to take on that belief that you also have to be frugal with your money. And it's, you know, if there's judgment towards money, if your parents were very much like judging people that were rich or like, oh, they're bad people if they're rich with money or certain things like that, you unconsciously carry that with you. And so it's really because when you look at those habits growing up, those are that's your conditioning, right? Like that is where you've learned those kind of habits and they're quite ingrained in us. And, and that's the thing, like our parents are, they pass down these things from, you know, it's very much generational. And so if you're, and that's very unconscious. So, and we're not taught those kind of things in school or anywhere. It's more like really looking at your, the awareness piece of saying, you know, like, okay, I'm aware that growing up, my parents were very frugal. And a lot of the time we latch onto that as our identity to be like, oh, well, you know, my parents were frugal. I have to be frugal. And it's, and the, the situation is those were learned behaviors, learned habits, and you don't have to carry those on. You can choose to create your own habits. And so the whole process of that is allowing yourself to separate from those past habits that you were learned growing up, growing up. And those are the things, right? It's like, we don't, realize these things or know that. And Mm -hmm. until you really allow yourself to have that awareness and look back at those kind of things and see those patterns, because like when I talk to my clients about, you know, habit change and their mindset, it's all about really looking at 
what were you told or what did you observe growing up that is going to have an effect on you today if you are not aware of it. And so it's allowing yourself to kind of peel back those layers and look at these factors and habits are all these patterns. So you have to, once you can start to allow yourself to bring that awareness and start to catch yourself. So like you kind of gave that example of it, like, you know, I'm just grabbing Doritos to eat them. If you start to become aware, Mm -hmm. you start to say, okay, I'm anxious right now. And all of a sudden I'm grabbing chips Mm -hmm. or I'm bored right now. And I'm just grabbing chips. Now you're starting to see the event that caused you to grab those chips. So that's where the patterns come in when it, when we look at habits. Um, so, um, a really great, um, habit formula that's very much like in an everyday person way that I love is from Atomic Habits book, uh, James Clear. Uh, it's rooted in behavior analysis. And that's why I love it is there's four steps. The cue, craving, response, reward. So that is a habit loop. And those are that's essentially how a habit is formed, um, breaking it down into those four steps. So let, let's look at it from a money standpoint, because we are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, but I think this applies to every area in life. It probably applies to physical health, relational health. But let's say that I am someone who, when I get stressed, I like to just spend money. It just makes me feel good just because spending a few dollars. Um, and it could be anywhere from, from a lady buying a $500 purse to, to just you know buying a $5 Starbucks. So that's a habit. And over time, it's going to have negative consequences because it's it's, it's kind of an unplanned behavior and, and who can really afford five or $10 on Starbucks every day. So let's kind of walk through those four steps on, on what that would mean in, in just this specific situation. Yeah. So the number one thing that I always talk about before going into those four steps is our values. What do we value? Who do we strive to be? Because the biggest thing is, yeah, we have these habits in current day that are typically passed down to us and are from our past. And so thinking about the person that we want to be going forward is really going to be the number one stepping stone of how to move forward and create new habits. So I'm sure that you're familiar with Dr. Benjamin Hardy's future self concept. Basically, um, you know, if, if your future self wants to be someone who hypothetically is 20 pounds lighter, what does your future self do and eat and not eat that your current self might eat or not eat. And and then you kind of look at what the person that you want to be, what, what do they do or not do and look to strive to do those things or not do those things. Exactly. And the whole point about that, like there's two main reasons with values that are so vital is that one, they allow you a redirection in the moment when you want to indulge, when you want to avoid your having your value set in stone allows you that redirection in that moment to be like, okay, is this behavior in alignment with my values and my future self? And that gives you that redirection in that moment to pause and be like, "Mm, no. And then taking a tiny step towards that future self. Um, So having your values concrete and solid. So that could be like, you know, financially stable or financial freedom or, um, 
decreasing my debt, uh, like all those kinds of things, or just healthy living, fit, adventure, energetic, like those are all different kinds of values. And so if you focus on, so if it's money related and you're like, oh, you know, I want to reduce my debt, really looking at that kind of scenario, say, okay, well, I want to be more, um, not to say careful, but like, I want to be more mindful with my money. And so that's kind of a value that you have. And so if we go through those four steps, so if we're looking at this value of mindfulness around your money, that's kind of the core first start. And then Q is really all about your environment. What is in your environment? Like I always give this example, like if I'm driving on the highway and I see a donut truck, I was not anticipating thinking about donuts today. but now I am because I saw a donut truck. And then I start, I might start thinking about my experiences of like, oh, like my favorite donut place is just around the corner or like, oh, I haven't had donuts in a really long time. Maybe I'll go get one. And the next thing you know, that craving is there. And then my response is I go get a donut. And then the reward is enjoying and indulging in a donut, right? And so when a cue is all about really what comes up in our environment. And it could also be like in our head too, like what thoughts come up that elicit a behavior. Um, So cues is all about like what your environment, what you're surrounding yourself with in your environment. So, and that goes as well with the people that you surround yourself with. Are you also surrounded by people that are all very much in debt and talk negatively about their money? That has a huge impact on how you feel and respond to your money. So Q is all about your environment, which is like you in it, the environment itself, and like the people in your environment. And so if you want to be mindful about your money, thinking about the people that you surround yourself with, and even thinking about like things in your environment. So like, are you, or just like how you spend your money and looking at the items in your home that either you would like to have or reduce or change. So really looking at these kind of factors. So Q is really what, um, and it's also in your mind as well. So like if you walk past, a uh, drive past a mall and you're very, um, you're really wanting to go in and spend money, that's the mindful part where you notice, okay, I actually have these feelings now. Um, And that ties into craving. So craving is the next step. And it's really all about instant gratification, which is immediate reward versus your long-term reward, which is your values. So craving is allowing you to shift your thoughts from that immediate craving to your long-term goal and, and ultimate desires, really. So if you drive by a mall and you immediately get that thought and feeling of like, oh, I really want to go shop. I really want to go do this. That's the cue is the mall. You see the mall. And then the craving is that thoughts and feelings that come up, but noticing it and shifting your thoughts to be, and that's where the redirection comes in with your values of being like, okay, yes, I see the mall, but I want to be more mindful with my money. So you know what? I'm not going to go in today. And that that craving piece is really key because it's the awareness of you noticing this old behavior and choosing a new response. And so the third step is response. 
And that's all about response effort. How easy is it for you to engage in the old habit? And how hard is it? So if you want to reduce spending, you want to make that habit super hard. You don't want it to be easy. So for instance, especially with money, if you want to make it harder, literally like either cut up your visa or like Mm -hmm. purchase a new one so that you don't know the the number off by heart, removing it from your Apple wallet or or pay, removing your credit card, like uh, automatic passwords and and things from websites um, like that. You're removing the queue, essentially. The queue is like, oh, my my phone pops up with, you know, like I can just pay for this right now. Um, So now you're making the response harder to engage in that old habit. And then making it easier is, you know, you could have stickies on the wall that say these like affirmations of like, I am capable of, you know, saving money or being more mindful with my money. Um, And a lot of people are very like, oh, I don't believe in affirmations or I don't know. But at the same time, if you allow yourself to really bring into effect these new sayings, allows you to shift your thought process. Um, with all of these things, which once again, if you continue to repeat that, it will become a new behavior. Don't you find that our, our language that we use both internally and verbally truly reflects what our actions and our results will be? And, and I say that if you look at some of the most successful athletes, they don't use words like try, like I'm going to mm-hmm. try to, I'm going to try to wake up and maybe I'll work out today. No, it's, I wake up at five and I, and I do work out and I do my training. And, and I, I think that um, it's, so I've, I've run a few marathons in my life and uh, never great times, but you know, for normal people, I was ahead of most normal people, <laughs> but it's funny how there will be certain segments of society that say, I could never do that. And I believe if you're anywhere from 20 to 50, and if you give yourself six to nine months and your knees don't go out, anybody can finish a marathon. Now we all have limitations based on genetics and everything, but my first one, especially not finishing was never even a, a thought, never a consideration that I wouldn't finish. Uh, but other people were saying, I could never do that. I don't have as much time as you do. Well, we all mm. have 24 hours. It's all the same. So do our words, do they affect our habits or make it easier for us to give into habits or break habits? 1000%. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> um, when I, when I mentioned in the beginning, you know, our identity and our belief systems, that's really, if I, if I'm telling myself I am bad with money, that is what you're creating, what you believe you create. So exactly that our, our self-talk is a, is the number one component that is going to reinforce whatever habit. So if you're saying I'm not good with this, or I can't do this, or I don't have time, you're not going to make time. It isn't going to be a priority. You, you aren't going to engage in those habits that you want. And so, yes, definitely. And I will say the biggest component, that last step of the habit loop, the the fourth step is reward. So whatever you engage in, you are rewarding yourself to some degree. And so if you're engaging in a negative habit, you engaging in it is relieving some kind of, you know, either indulgence or avoidance, or you just don't want to deal with your feelings or emotions. So you just want to like, you know, retail therapy or whatever, but you want to shift away from that. All of those things 
were being reinforced and they relieved something for you. You go and you purchase something that, that makes you feel good in the moment. But then later on, you're like, ah, oh, now I don't have the, like this much money anymore. Or then you, and then you start to put yourself down and then you start to tell yourself all these negative things. Like, I can't believe I did that. I wish I didn't. Uh, like then there's that negative feelings towards yourself after the fact. And so the reward, that last step is so key when you're creating new habits, because you need to celebrate yourself. You need to reward yourself when you engage in those new habits. And so it has to be like a mindful conscious reward as opposed to a non-mindful, because that almost becomes another habit, doesn't it? <laughs> like you're referring to like a, something tangible, like purchasing mm-hmm. something for you. Yeah, exactly. Or Especially- when I reach XYZ milestone, I'll do this for myself or kind of make a conscious decision. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing too. Like, so there's a concept called the premac principle, and this is, it's essentially a first then capacity. First, I engage in the hard, difficult thing then I reward myself. And the whole part about habits is a lot of the time we indulge first rather than engaging in the hard thing. We Sometimes we just indulge without any hard work. So that could be like, I avoid the task and then I just go watch TV. It's like, I'm only having the fun and I'm not actually doing the hard thing. And so I agree that there's definitely a component of like, if I'm doing something that's big over a long period of time, then I would say it, that's a conscious decision. And that is something that you've worked so hard to do that I would say that there is that leeway to be like, yes, I can indulge or celebrate with like a night out to a restaurant. And yes, that's spending money, but you've, you've worked yourself. Like that is switching your behavior from, I feel crappy about myself. I need to go spend something versus now you're consciously saying I worked so hard and I've done X, Y, Z. I'm going to reward myself. But yes, to say to that, the biggest component about building new habits is rewarding yourself every step of the way and making it in tiny, tiny, tiny steps. So a lot of people, this is a thing I hear all the time is everyone, like you said, like they say, like, I don't have time. And it's like, Everyone thinks that creating a new habit or building a new routine is something that will be very daunting or I can't do it or it's a lot of work. And so our brain, that's when our brain kind of shows us red flags to be like, I, you know, that seems like a lot of work. I'm not going to bother. And so the number one thing when it comes to response and reward of that habit loop is make the response super easy, like something that's so tiny, like a very tiny, tiny action and then reward it immediately. So that reward could be like calling your friend and telling them that you just did something really great for yourself. Um, or it could be like, um, like I always talk to my clients about like self-care routines. So like really just engaging, uh, like going for a walk, um, like dancing, or I feel like these things all sound very like, oh, okay, but that doesn't feel as rewarding as like buying something. But this all goes back to like your values and mm-hmm. that ultimate feeling and desire that you want. So definitely thinking everyone has their own preferences and, you know, like going to visit friends. Um, and that could be just going to their house rather than going out to a restaurant. Um, and that's also saying your your goals out loud, like telling your friends, 
um, and that kind of comes with setting boundaries. Um, that's a, a whole other like topic, but like, you know, telling your friends, Hey, I'd love to see you today, but I would rather like go to your house or my house and I can make dinner. Uh, cause I'm trying to save money, uh, trying, not trying. I'm saving money. <laughs> Caught myself there. Um, but yeah, so it's really having those kind of factors. But so when I say tiny steps, I mean, you know, everyone... that's what winners do, right? Winners say, I want to have money. I also kind of want to go out to eat with my friends, but the two don't go hand in hand right now. So I'm not going out to eat and I'm going to invite my friends over. Or I'm going to, or we're gonna... that's, that's what we all have to do, right? We have to do things that move us towards the long-term goal, even though the short-term, it may not be the funnest, funnest decision. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I feel like I, but I also feel like a lot of people think in their head, like I have to sacrifice a lot to, to make these changes. And that's not necessarily true. Like, as I said, like making small changes. And so for instance, like what would sound better saving $150 a month or saving like $2 a day. Mm -hmm. 